Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Wave Ministries. Visit thewavecolumbus.com for more information. Welcome to The Wave Podcast. I am Danny Ortiz, and we have... This is, this is Michael Red, your brother, your brother, your friend. And, Michael uh, Rojo. Yeah. Oh, listen, yeah. man, listen, we've been having fun on this thing, man. Um, I know a lot of folks have listened to uh, our last episode and this thing on pride. I know we've talked a lot about this week, like pride is in everything, but we're not even going to talk about pleasanties today. We're going to jump straight into it, man. We've been, because every time we talk, we're like, oh, that's pride. <laughs> oh, that's pride. Uh, man, just talk about how, I, I know we've been talking about it all week, man. Pride, we, we find it in everything. It's just all over the place, man. I don't know how fun of a topic it is. I know you came out guns a blazing saying we've been having fun with this. This has been challenging my spirit and my heart. Um, and and this, is a, this is a punishing blow to the flesh, right? Pride, yeah. which, which, which is something that we deal with every day. And I know what you mean when you say we're having fun with it. We are because we love to, to die to self. And, and that's, that's the, the, the crust of all this conversation around pride is, is the ability um, to get into the presence of God and really, really submit yourself to prayer, which submission is an antithesis to pride. We'll get there yeah. in a bit, but begin to submit ourselves to a, a level of prayer and a place of prayer where we can actually have this thing killed, um, not continue to thrive, but continue to have it crucified. And it's a thing that we all deal with all around the world every single day of our lives. Man, I, I say happiness because of this scripture, Psalms 16, 11. I told you are going to be laughing when we start this thing out because yeah, it you says, did. you will show me the path of life and in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And you just said it, right? Presence, presence, that word fullness in Hebrew means it's abundance. There's abundance of joy. And so it makes me think of, of Hebrews, he said, for the joy that was set before the Lord, <laughs> he endured the cross, right? So many people think like dying to self is a hard thing, but when the Holy Spirit is dealing with you on it, there's a joy that comes because what is happening is that your flesh is dying and the fullness of heaven is being expressed to you, right? It's God is needing your flesh to die. So there's a joy you know, I still don't understand it all with Jesus because I don't know how joyful it has to be Holy Spirit when I look at a cross and look at some nails being put on my hand, looking at the beating that he took, looking at his back was ripped, all the stuff that he went through. But there was still joy in it because he understood the end result. He understood what, what was going to come out of this sacrifice, right? And I think the joy for us, even though we know pride is in us, man, uh, even this topic, we're going to, the reason I started with the presence and joy, because some of the topics we're going to talk about today is very triggering, even to me. I'm going to talk, to, you know, personal situations that I've been through and triggering to other people. So I, this is just a trigger warning. You know what I mean? Because when you do talk about this stuff, it is heavy. It is like you start being reminded how people have treated you and, and how you treated other people. It's not only, it's not only other people. I think it's, 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 God doing some stuff in you, but I, I want to encourage us, man, that in his presence is fullness of joy. 
And if we stay in his presence, there's a joy of sacrifice. There's a joy of dying to self because we know the outcome is the expression of Jesus coming out of us. Absolutely. If you're outside of his presence, there's partial joy to experience. Right? That's a misnomer about that whole scripture. There's partial joy to enjoy. And, 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 but within Christ and in his presence, there's the fullness of joy. And, and what the world needs right now, honestly, Danny, I need it, we all need it, is to be healed and delivered from pride. We need yeah. healing, man. Yeah. We need healing. And, and, and the person who's listening to this that says, I don't deal with pride. I, well, you, <laughs> First of you all, if you, say, if you say that, you, you need it. <laughs> you, 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 you had pride. Or, or the opposite. Hey, I'm uh, if you say you're humble, that means you actually deal with pride because no one <laughs> actually said that about themselves in a sense. Come on, man. And I get certain aspects. But no, I mean, it's, it's to me, at the end of the day, uh, the world needs healing from a pride. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really challenging topic because it causes me to do uh, what Paul says, let a man examine himself. Right? 100%. And when I begin to examine myself, I may not like what I see, but that's not the thing. God loves what he sees, right? And, 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 and he, again, he is strong in our weaknesses, right? Yeah. And so I think that's the thing that we've got to continue to take note of as we do an introspection of our lives, Danny, of like, yo, I don't have it all together. And I struggle with my pride. Because at the end of the day, when you look at this from a theological standpoint, the book of Job is older than the book of Genesis. Mm-hmm. So when you read the book of Joel, it talks about Leviathan, right? In chapter 41, Leviathan, right? And so I've always said this, and I believe this in all my heart, that the root principle of, of sin is not even sin, actually. Pride was here before sin was. Sin is a secondary consequence of pride, right? And yeah. when you study the book of Job, and we won't teach on that today, but um, it talks about how Leviathan is the father of pride, right? And, and so pride is born, and then what comes about from pride is the fact sin, right? And we'll get into that in a little bit when we talk about Genesis and whatnot, but that's where I'm at with it, man. And it's always reconciling, right? To your point, mm-hmm. you know, God is always in the reconciling, always redeeming, right? This fallen nature, that's what we talk about, the old nature and the new nature, because the old nature wants to come out, right? And there is a battle between the old and the new. Um, and you know, for us to walk in the spirit so that we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh, the drawing is to his presence, the drawing to allow the Holy Spirit, uh, to journey with you so he can whisper in those times again. Like I talked about last week, you have to be aware of the Holy Spirit because he's if you're aware of the Holy Spirit, he whispers those times that you're walking in this direction, he whispers the times that your flesh is is being needed to be validated and you're walking in the flesh and you, you're operating in the flesh. Uh, one of these topics that we want to get into today, which is a heavy topic, and I don't know if we have the time today to go over it all, but I, I feel like if the Holy Spirit want, needed, needs us to address it, is, is this thing of narcissism and narcissistic behavior. And I want to, before I go there, Mike, I, I want to say this, you know, Matthew 7, 1 through 5, you can go read it yourself, Matthew 7, 1 through 5, it talks about not judging, right, um, with the same measure you judge, and it says, you know, remove the plank out of your own eye. 
So when we deal with this root of narcissism, which again, narcissistic, you know, I'm going to talk about it a little bit from a psychology point of view, but in the end, the core of it is pride, right? Narcissism, the core of it is pride, right? And there's a lot of narcissistic behavior in church, in Christendom, in leadership. Many people are being plagued by it. Many people are being on the other side where they are, um, they are receiving, you know, pain from narcissistic behavior and they're being entrapped by this pain and trauma that is being caused by narcissistic behavior. But I do want to say this before we go into it, Mike, that woe is us, right? You know, and we can talk about it because according to 1 Corinthians 5 to 12 and 13, it says that, you know, judge those in the household of faith, not those outside. So there, there is a there is a, a reconciling and re redemptive judgment that we have to deal with this because it's happening because we have a lot of leaders. We have a leadership issue. We have a father issue. We can go all these issues. In the end of the day, fatherlessness, leadership issues are rooted in pride. A lot of pride happening. So I want I want to start this conversation on narcissism and narcissistic behavior. Um, and I got a curious question though. Yeah, because you, you said it's, it's causing pain. I want you to describe a little bit deeper on. Oh, we're gonna go into it. it. We're gonna go into okay. it because because I got I got to describe what it is before we can understand the pain that it's causing, um, and it's caused pain in my life. You know, uh, so let's let's describe it. Anyway. I'm just gonna give you so, a couple of books for you guys if you guys want to get into it, like in a deeper realm, um, because a lot of the stuff you know, you know, I read a lot, so a lot of the stuff comes from other people's, and I want to give them credit. You know what I mean? So uh, Juck DeCrop is a PhD. Uh, he's a, a, a counselor of theology uh, in, in Western uh, Theological Seminary. He's the director of counseling there. Uh, he's done a lot of research in this. And there's a book that he wrote called When Narcissism Comes to Church, Healing for Your Community from Emotional Spiritual Abuse. That's a great book, great resource. If you haven't read it, read it. Another book that I think Mike, I've told you this about a couple of years ago when I read this book, Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. If, if you're into business and understand uh, business, Ryan Holiday wrote a great book for business leaders about Ego is the Enemy. Um, I think those two are great resources for people to go to. But let's describe narcissism. Let's describe it for what the Webster Dictionary says. Um, psychologists deem narcissism as a disorder. They call it uh, MPD, which is Narcissistic Personality Disorder. Uh, the Webster Dictionary describes narcissism as extremely self-centered person, an extremely self-centered person who has um, exaggeration sense of self-importance or ego-driven. Now, we know the scripture tells us, so it's ego-driven, a person that's all about himself. Uh, Romans 12, 3 says this, for I say through the grace of, given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. And this is Paul talking to us after he says, uh, present yourselves a living sacrifice in Romans 12, uh, 1 and 2. 12, 3, he says, don't think of yourself more, but be soberly in your thinking. But God has dealt each measure of faith. Now, some of the things to your question, Mike, and I'm going to answer that, like, what is the trauma cost? These are some of the behaviors, according to uh, Dr. Chuck, um, that that associate with narcissistic behavior right spiritual abuse abuse of power emotional abuse mental abuse playing mind games like 
someone making you feel it's all your fault. It's always about your fault. And they can't say they can't for themselves say, I'm, I just messed up. I'm sorry. It's me. It has nothing to do with you. It's me. Um, psychological abuse, right? Psychological warfare, right? Making someone always feel like they're crazy, right? Um, intimidation. These are all in the realm of narcissism. Intimidation, like using intimidation, using a power to intimidate you, to control you, right? Bullying, right? Shaming is a huge narcissistic behavior, right? Shaming, uh, passive aggressiveness, isolation, you know, um, ignoring, you know, part of, you know, narcissistic behavior, narcissistic leaders, uh, you know, they get to the point where if you don't rock with them, they ignore you. Right? If you don't rock with them, uh, if you don't do something that they ask you to do, or if you call them out for something that they say and you disagree with them, they ignore you until you deem them to be the man. Right? Um, seeds of, of distrust. Right? Everything's about distrusting each other. Um, I had this happen to me in one of my stints of, of underneath leaders where the leader might put other leaders against each other and will and will put seed of distrust on this person, seed of distrust. On, and there was never no harmony, never no loving thy neighbor. It was almost like, I'm gonna, I gotta control these leaders. They all great and powerful. They all men of God around me, but I gotta get them to distrust one another so I can have full control, right? Ego, gaslighting, right? They're never wrong, right? You're the wrong, right? Uh, uh, another part that he talks about, which was real good, Mike, and you can interrupt at any time, Mike, but uh, these are some of the things that I want to talk about. Um, like, you know, they're always moving on to the next. This is, this is some of the narcissistic behavior in church uh, leadership. They're always moving on to the next. They never finish what they start, right? Because they all have to be in control. So it's always God's doing this over here, God's doing over that. And they never seem to finish some of the stuff. Um, they make fun of other ministries because they, they're the ones that God is using in that city. And that, you know, I've, I've heard this language for most of my life growing up in, in church, like, oh, God's using us. You know, we're the ones in this city. You know, God gave us this special whatever anointing over the city. Just a lot of damaging behavior. And, and so you ask, how does damage people, man? Well, when you have somebody abusing other people mentally and abusing their power, you know what I mean, to, you know, we've seen, you know, sexual abuse, we've seen mental abuse, we've seen, uh, you know, abusing folks from the pulpit using the word as a weapon to weaponize control, right? Um, whether that be in their finances. Um, all those things cause trauma. And all those things we need heal from because that's part of the narcissistic behavior is to control situations and let everyone think that that is the person that hears from God. They're the only person that hear from God. They're the only, now, this is not new. It's, we, we're going we're gonna to see other things in scripture where people have this behavior and God's redeemed them. But these are some of the things. So, the, the, you know, pain comes because when you abuse, you're an abused person. You know, on this side, it's it's abuse, man. Um, and the trauma, I, I'd say for me personally, you know, I've been abused by a lot of folks that call themselves men of God, you know. 
Um, they try to control. They try to, you know, I've had people come up to Deb and I and say, you can't be in leadership unless we look at everything that you spend your money on because we pay you money. That's heavy. You know? Yep. Yep. That's no, abuse. I, I, it, it, it is abuse. It's uh, dictatorship. It's 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 not like narcissism. It's a, it's a myriad of things. It's bad leadership. It's all that stuff combined. You know, narcissism is basically, you said it, the professional psychological word for, for the word pride. And it, to me, in a practical way, it's spending too much time thinking about yourself. <laughs> That's the best way. Because there's times where you meet people whether it be preachers or lay members in general, Christians in general, every topic begins to boomerang itself back to you. Have you ever been around people that every, every topic, every event begins to boomerang back to them, right? Yeah. Which is an incredible sign of narcissism. Um, you know, uh, you can mention any topic, um, basketball, for example. Um, and, there's a compliment, right, to me or what I was able to do in my career. Hey, but by the way, man, I could have beat you. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I could, you know, I was I was just as good as Michael Jordan, right? And, oh and, man, you know, uh, uh, or or um, you know, the president of the United States is doing a great job for our country. Yeah, but you know, I could do a better job. You know, I, I, if I was in that position, I, I could I could you. I could do a great job, right? Or man, what a word we received today. Yeah, you know, but but God gave me something even greater than that, actually. Right. And that's the worst. Right. Being able to be around people who hear revelation and try to try to top the revelation they just heard. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and the orphan spirit begins to leap out of people of like, you know, you know, I, I want to be heard, too. You know, you know I, I need to say something and I need to add to what was just said rather than allowing it to just be a sila. Uh, I got to add something. Right. Which is part of the orphan heart and the orphan spirit. Right. And so I've been around people, man. And I've been, I've been there myself. I dealt with it myself, right? Internally, in a deeper way, right? Where I feel like I have to say something. I have to prove to myself or prove to you that I was somebody, right? And that comes yeah. from a lack of affirmation from the father, which acts out as an orphan or a bastard child, right? And so what I've learned about pride, narcissism, is that, excuse me, you're immature if you deal with pride. So... Maturity plays itself out in humility, right? If you struggle with humility, then you're really a child. Still a son, but you're immature, right? And maturity has always, always played itself out and acted itself out in the act of humility. Humility is a, humility, maturity is a fruit of humility. Yeah. Maturity is a fruit of humility, someone who doesn't mind being in the background, someone doesn't mind, um, you know, having the platform, someone who doesn't mind serving, right? The son of man came to serve and not to be served. This notion where I am to be served only and never to serve is complete narcissism, right? The, the inability to be submissive, which is like, uh, 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 like almost like a cuss word these days. What do you mean be submissive, right? And I feel like, I feel like that is a difficult word because of what you mentioned earlier, how submission has been manipulated, but doesn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Submission is still a valid thing. And so there's all kind of nuance to what we're talking about, but narcissism 
to me, is just spending too much time thinking about yourself at the end of the day. I, and I want to expand that because we're going to have a whole topic on humility, um, but I want to sit in the, this topic of narcissism because I hear you when you say it's thinking about you, but when you think about you and you're in a role of leadership, that is, let me ask you this, how is that damaging to other people? It's very damaging. It's very, no, you, what you said was right. It's very damaging. That, and that's I'm what I want to sit on it, because- Yeah, it, it, there's, what you're saying is there's more accountability as a leader, right? If you're oh, a leader or yeah. leaders, right, right? And first of all, when you talk about leadership, you talk about a pastoral setting, church setting, which we believe is an archaic, but, uh, but erroneous But just because we believe that, we have to talk about it because there's other folks don't understand even what, they haven't heard okay. our other podcasts, so they don't even know what we believe. And we're gonna touch on that because I think part of, the, you're right, part of the leadership situation is the structure of leadership. So, I mean, we can expand on that yeah. right now. We want to, because I, I want folks to understand you know, where we come from a celebrating one man. And I'm going to say some things that are probably going to be sacrilegious here in a second, but go ahead. Yes. That's what I was going to say. I mean, you, you cut me off, but that's what I was going to say. I mean, I, that's exactly what I was going to say. The system uh, is set up to actually be hurt anyway. And we could talk about that at a later time. But um, no, people all around the world are being, have, been, have been hurt um, by leadership uh, that has a heart to dictate, right? And actually has a heart to actually manipulate the hearts and minds of people. I agree with everything you just said. I don't have to add to it. I'm just saying that, you know, it's across the board in a sense, right? We all deal with it, right? And so once we recognize it, we have an option to either stay in dysfunction or leave the dysfunction, right? And so I applaud anyone who's been in a situation where they've been abused to walk away because it takes a lot of courage to walk away from an abusive relationship, abusive situation, circumstance, it's, it's a necessity for the health of your mind and your heart, right? And so, but back to what I was saying earlier about the whole system, um, the whole system that's in America and around the world uh, of how we do church and how we uh, have a pastor and you know all of that, it sets up for people to be hurt and traumatized. Yeah. And, and for those who heard it said, I cut him off. Yes, we cut each other off all the time. So <laughs> that's part of our nature. Uh, it's part of what we do. Um, no, you're right. And I think that's the danger. That's, that's why God had told the children of Israel from the beginning, I, I don't want to give you a king. But if you want right. to, I'm going to give it to you, right? That's right. That's because, right. you know, according to First Samuel 8, he says, this king, if you want it, it's going to come with some consequences, right? And I think a lot of times what we don't understand when we celebrate and we celebrate this one man system, which has been handed down to us by Catholicism, you know, it's not even biblical, the system that we have. Um, it, it leads to that celebrity pastor, that celebrity culture. And, and, I, and, I take, and I take both sides of it. I don't, because I don't only look at the pastor that is, is um, needs affirming, right? Uh, orphan heart that's, that's operating in this control mechanism, right? But also, you know, the folks that are putting him in power, right? A lot of it is that you, we put the folks in power. We put them, you know, because we want a celebrity to get to God. We want somebody else to get to God, right? And a lot of times, which is what the children of Israel wanted, right? We don't want God by ourselves. We want someone else. We saw that in, 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 in Exodus when God wanted to speak to the, to, to the children of Israel. And they're like, no, Moses, you go speak to him on our behalf, right? God is always trying to get to his people, right? 
And we have a system now that has celebrated and that had put this one man in charge. And the danger of that becomes the breeding ground for me for narcissism and how come so many churches go bad because the system itself plays for it to go bad because you have one guy that's celebrated, you got to have one guy that's heard, and then we don't put the, the, the right pattern that Jesus said he would build his church in a fivefold ministry. He, he'll build this church with apostles and prophets leading it, right? So not having that structure leads it to this one guy that takes everything. And so much danger happens through that. So much hurt and pain happens through that. And it's up to the Holy Spirit speaking to people's hearts to be able to leave that system so that they can get true healing and, and true understanding what this whole thing is about. I, I want to interject a little bit because you're exactly right. It's the I, I, I syndrome, right? Isaiah dealt with it. I, I, I. Different characters throughout the Bible have dealt with I, I, I. Nancy Reagan makes a quote. Um, she's the wife of former President Ronald Reagan. And I, I love this quote. She says, the greatest day of my life is when I became we. And I love that right, which is the essence of relationship, right? When you are dealing with pride and narcissism, you are a covenant breaker. <laughs> now, I, I can go deeper than that when we talk about the Leviathan spirit, but but part of, part of someone who deals with pride is that they don't keep covenant with relationships, right? It's very, think about this, Danny. I... I have struggled being around prideful people. And what I mean by that is pride is very oppressing. Yeah. <laughs> right? Life is miserable being around prideful people because you could never satisfy a proud person. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what. Right? You're not happy being around prideful people. You found you feel in bondage, you in bondage, ensnared, right? You're walking on eggshells. And I've tried to in my life not only begin to kill the pride in myself through the presence of the Lord in prayer, but also begin to have enough self-awareness to be able to alleviate myself from relationships with people who deal with pride. Because I found that it to be very oppressive. You're not happy. You're struggling actually to love that person, by the way because of how yeah. much pride they operate in. Pride, prideful people, proud people, have an inability to celebrate you without making it about themselves. Think about that. Yeah. D, what an incredible word that you gave, Danny. But I preached that last week. <laughs> well, what an incredible uh, accomplishment, man. I'm proud of you. In fact, I did that myself, actually. <laughs> like every everything boomerang is back to I, you. I laugh because right? I, I mean, I, I, that's just crazy. Think about that. that. <laughs> they cannot celebrate you or be proud of you oh, without having goodness. any, you know, anything in return come back. Listen, it's not in the spirit of mid-rashing, but again, being around lay members and clergy and all of that, I can't do it but for so long because it comes into a pissing match of who knows the most, yeah. right? And it's like, oh, God, here we go again. And whenever there's debate over theological beliefs and, you know, entrenched thinking and a lack of curiosity, 
I change the topic. And I start talking about the Browns. And I talk about Wall Street. And I talk about different other topics because I don't want to engage in a proudful conversation about the Bible, about anything, actually. You know, so I've learned in my life, in my walk, that it's so oppressing to be around people who operate in such a, a level of proud, uh, pride. Yeah. Well, and, and what it does to, to prophetic, it just it silences the prophetic. You know what I mean? All, totally. all through scripture, we see it where, you know what I mean? There's many examples, but Jezebel is an example of a narcissist. Many examples, right? To shut up the prophetic voice, to shut up other people. Again, to begin to, that's why I think there's three things that we need to deal with narcissism. Death to self, accountability, and okay with failure. You know what I mean? Because a fa failure is our friend when it comes to God using us failing sometimes to kill the flesh of who we are, right? Kind of no joy when you go through trials in terms of it, right? But, it, but it's perfecting of your faith, right? Um, because Jezebel, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the different, different stories and different folks that God redeemed. But I mean, look at a, a leader that went astray you know, David with the Bathsheba and, and Uriah situation, right? No, no biggest narcissist than that. I mean, he controlled the whole situation, right? But I, I think this, for me, one of the reasons that we see narcissism today in church like never before in narcissistic leaders is we have shut the prophetic. Because if you see in 2 Samuel 12, if you read the whole thing, it took the prophetic Nathan to cause David to see the narcissism himself, right? Mm -hmm. Nathan tells him the word of the Lord and tells him that God is angry at you, David, because you literally broke protocol. You literally controlled the whole situation, caused the man to die. After, after, after the man died, the woman mourned him. You took her to your house. Literally, it says, and the Lord was displeased with you, right? But you had no idea because you were so full of self. And it took the prophetic word of the Lord from a prophet to come in to tell Nate and Nathan tell him, listen, this, I'm going to tell you a story. And I love one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is in verse seven, when he says, and you're the man. <laughs> I love that. David, you're the man. You're the one I'm talking about, right? Because David couldn't see it in himself. And to me, one of the, one of the things that we need for today, more than everything else, is, is the fivefold ministry to be established. Is apostles and prophets to be together um, so that this spirit of narcissism could be dealt with? Because I wanted to deal with that. I want to end with yeah. like dealing with we need the prophetic voice to deal with the spirit that's on the earth because it's on the earth, right? And I want to get into something, Mike. We got about 10 minutes. I want to get into something, man. And I, I, I know you and I have talked about it. And I know, I don't, you know, I just want to put it out there. It's so dangerous today. We're talking about leadership. We're talking about people in, in leadership in the church because most of the folks that are listening to us are either have left the church or still in the church, you know what I mean, are deconstructing of the church. And we say yes to all of them that listen to us, you know what I mean, in whatever state you find yourself in. Um, but I think especially in American Christianity, the danger of having one voice and that one voice only. You know what I mean? Having that one voice is so dangerous. And I'll take it to an extreme. And now this is extreme, Mike, and you can push back on this. I have no problem with you pushing back because I know this is, I'm, I'm saying this from, a, from my prophetic view and you have an apostolic view and it may be different and I'm okay with that. 
um, and I need to be pushed back. But I'm like, I'm at the point now that I don't even see any human in America, especially to be to 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 because as leaders, I think we have a responsibility and I'm going somewhere with this. I think we have a responsibility to understand the times that we're living in. And we have such orphans on the earth and we are orphans ourselves that we we people want celebrities. They want one voice to attach themselves. And I think it's up to the leadership to understand the time and say, you know what? I may not even be able to stand in front of people by myself. I'm going to have to stand with somebody else just because it's so dangerous for them. They will put me as leadership and I will fail them and they will fail me. And it's going to create this chaotic system that we've been still creating. Right. And it's weird for somebody, for me, for somebody saying, I don't want religion, but they still go into that system and they're like, yeah, but I need a man to talk to me. Well, you need, you need the Holy spirit. You really don't need a man. He will lead you and guide you to a truth. Right. But I'm just saying this, like, I'm saying a lot because I'm going to let you answer this. Like, I, I think we had, we had, we had, we need some extreme measures these days because we have such toxicity all over the place that is even, to me, it's even dangerous for one person to get up in front of a group of people. Now, I'm not talking about Bible studies. I'm talking about in a group setting because they, every time we talk about the scriptures, people, people always come to me, well, well, Paul, Paul, Paul never, you have never seen Paul speak in a out. He never had a crowd. We actually reading letters of him. He never had a crowd where he speaks to a group of people. It's always letters and in a house church setting. So, but you know, it's it, to me, it's even it's become dangerous for one human to get up in front of all, a whole bunch of people, thousands of people, start proclaiming things without having someone next to him, and and it being a dual voice and not just one voice. And some of my premises, I come from that where Jesus sent them two by two, but we know even in the New Testament. You know, Paul couldn't do it without Barnabas and Barnabas joined, you know, John Mark and stuff like that. We see the duality of two people always together. You know what I mean? What's your thoughts on that? Because I know, I mean, there's a lot of things happening right now, but what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, Yeah, Paul met with a a group of women outside the city gates. So he he did gather with people. But I think I think what you're saying is, is we've made a methodology dogma. We've made an approach dogma, right? uh, Over the last 50 years, 100 years plus. Um, we've seen one method or one approach of how we gather people in America and how we disseminate the gospel and how we share and how we, and obviously the church historically has meant more than just getting together and talking about the Bible um, and served as a community, right? So there was a lot of benefits from having gatherings beyond just hearing someone talk about the Bible. Um, you know, I, I totally agree with you. You're talking about a sy- systemic issue. I think a lot of people are, you know, in a sense, from a leadership standpoint, building brand awareness more than a move of God in the heart, the heart of God, right? Mm-hmm. And people want to get connected to a brand more than the heart of God, because what's inside the brand is comfortability, right? And so, or status or cachet, you know, or clout, you know? And so there's a, there's a, there's a, there's on each end, there's, there's a, something that's dysfunctional about both of those things. Um, it's rare to find people who just want the heart of God, man, at the end of the day. And I mean that respectfully to all people who love God. The heart of God deals with every notion of your life, right? And to be a, with a group of people who just want the heart of God is, 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 is rare to find. Uh, because with inside the heart of God is accountability, right? The prophet yeah. who was in David's life was able to point out things that David probably didn't want to hear. Right. But because David was submissive already to the father, it was easy for him to submit to Nathan. 
right? Your submissiveness to wisdom and the to prophetic and the prophetic or the, or the disconnect with that comes from a disconnect with being submitted to God. Most people are not submitted to the Holy Spirit, Danny. 100%. So if you're not submitted to the Holy Spirit, you're never going to be submitted to wisdom or the prophetic. You're just yeah. not, right? You're going to buck against it. We live in a culture where it's very, very sensitive to offense now. Everyone gets offended so easily now. What is, what's the origin of offense? Pride. Yeah. Right? I can't be told anything. I want to do exactly what I want to do when I want to do it. And I had to ask myself this question in my own walk with God. Me, at any point in my life, saying no to God, who was responsible for me saying no to God? Was it God or was it me? Hmm. His instructions, his creeds, his wisdom, the prophetic. Me walking away from the decisions that God made for my life, who's, who's, who's responsible for that? It was me, right? Narcissists don't even know that they're narcissists. No, 100%. And when it embodies a narcissist, it's lack of self-awareness. Yeah. Complete self-awareness. And if there's no one in your life to hold you accountable, to talk to you and level with you, then that leads to destruction at the end of the day. Ultimately, you need people in your life that can reveal things to you that you can't see for yourself. That's so important. So if you are a Lone Ranger, if you are one that wants to, 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 to not have accountability, then you might be dealing with an issue of pride. Yeah. Right? And I've just seen some of the characteristics of, of what you mentioned earlier. I wanted to illustrate that and share that with you. I, I see it all the time. I've seen it all the time. I've seen it in my own life. Yeah. No, it's, a, it's, 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 it's definitely a lack of self-awareness. Is a lack of, you know, um, I want to get back Let to me, the gathering. Go ahead. Because I want to get back this to this about, gathering point. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I want to say this quick thing about Adam and Eve, right? They dealt with self-pride because they were already like God, right? What they engaged in is a worship to become more than what they already were. I'm going to say that again. Yeah. They engaged in a worship to become more than what they already were, which is the essence of pride. Yeah. Right. Again, I don't want to do, I want to, I don't want to do what you, in fact, I don't want to do what God told me to do because I don't even trust God. Right. And so I think those are all embodiments of, of, of narcissism and pride. Yeah. Go ahead, Dan. I'm sorry about the gathering. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I want to go back to the gathering. Like I do believe, you know, and you and I believe this wholeheartedly. You know, I think for me, the modern day gathering should be just worship. <laughs> worship and eating. Like go eat with somebody and worship with them. You know, I think we have made it into this. You, you can't, I mean, again, we go, we don't live the Bible. We don't live the way they lived. We use it as doctrinal training, which there's nowhere in the Bible you see that. You know what I mean? Um, it's, it's, you know, gatherings should not be used for doctrine. You and I were sitting in the upper room, right? You and I went to the upper room, right? In Israel. Sure. You cannot fit 120 people there, right? Comfortably at all. Like it, it, it was the smallest room. My mind couldn't comprehend that it was the upper room, right? Yeah. And so when you look at even geography, and that's why I tell people go to Israel. When you go to Israel, you, you say, well, there's no building in Israel that sits 100 people. You can't sit them, right? We have the Temple Mount, but that's occupied today. In those days, it wasn't, and they went there to pray, right? So the gathering of folks were not in huge 
places, right? There's no, you, there's not even no way of room. When you go to Israel right now, there's no room to gather over 100 people. You can't do it, right? It all It's all in small settings, all else they have to gather outside, right? And so to me, I think just the gathering itself, we have to just go back to biblical and understanding the way they did it in Israel. You know what I mean? Now we know we're in a different time, but still, I think a lot of things we do is because we have we have established an American gospel. Um, but I, you know, so I want to say that about gathering. Gathering should be worship and meals, and should just be that. Uh, I think we 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 get it wrong when it comes to doctrine or training because we don't even do that. Um, I, I want to land with this. This is Peter is in the end of his sermon. He says, therefore, let the house of Israel know surely that God has made this Jesus from you crucified, both Lord and Christ. There's a duality to the cross. That word Lord that is that he owns you. And you said this earlier, Mike. You know, most folks that, that are dealing with this are not self-aware because they're not allowing the Holy Spirit. But really, they're not owned by the, by the Lord. You know, God doesn't own them. Um, they preach half of, you know, they think this Jesus is just here to take away my sins. Um, but yeah, he's here to take away your sins and he's delivering you from something to something to walk this life of the kingdom where he's full keen and he's full in control. And when you live a life submissive to the kingship of Jesus, there's just some things that the Holy Spirit will not allow you to do. I, I, I contend to that. If he's your Lord and he's your savior and the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding you to the truth, there's some things that you just will not walk into, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but we're just not living a lay down life enough to hear Holy Spirit, have Jesus be Lord of our lives and walk in a level where we allow other people, the Holy Spirit and other people to help us grow in our faith and grow in our walk with the Lord. Right. And so the answer to narcissism is death to self, accountability with other people. And live in this life where he is Lord in full reign and full king over your life. Because when that happens, to your point earlier, when, when, when a group of people that are dead to self gather together, glory comes. His presence comes. He begins to start dealing with the hearts of men, right? We don't, I always say this, when, when the deliverer comes in, you don't have to teach on deliverance. When the healer walks into a room, you don't have to teach on healing. Right. When when he walks in the room, he deals with the heart of men the way he desires to deal with. And my heart is to gather people. My heart is to get is that when we get together, our only aim is to see glory, is to see his presence so that we can be transformed and that Jesus can walk out of us and that we can be leaders. Because there is a vacuum of leaders. We need leaders, but we need leaders that are led by the Holy Spirit and that are submissive to the kingship of Jesus. Go ahead, Doc. I'll let you end and and end this. Yeah, I think I think I think at the end of the day, we we live in a knowledge based centric culture. Everything's about knowledge, and we know the scripture says that knowledge puffs up, puffs up, which is which is, which is pride again, right? But I want to reinsert something that I said earlier, and, and you said, and we reemphasize. It's got to be about the presence of God, right? It's got to be about people beginning to engage the presence of God and engaging the Holy Spirit. I think for ages now, we've been trained to hear from someone who knows about the Bible compared to hearing from the most important person in the world, which is the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is our accountability. 
He is our strength. He is our wisdom. And I think we have to begin to reintroduce into a generation, again, the sole importance of the Holy Spirit, um, because you can't live life without it, right? I can't make you humble. Hmm. It's the job of the Holy Spirit. I can't hmm. make you humble. A moment. I can't thank you. I can't make you prefer yourself to someone else. I can't do that. No, and, and let me say this, Mike. No amount of teaching, <laughs> no amount of teaching can do that. No, right? It's, no, it's because, just, no amount of preaching can do that. Go ahead. No, no, no. I think I think if you're pursuing teaching only, you become arrogant. You become arrogant, right? You yeah. become a historian. You become a theologian, right? You become someone who's just dead with knowledge at the end of the day. But be someone who begins to pursue the presence of God that brings life to the Word of God, right? And so. I think at the end of the day, some of the characteristics of, of someone who's walking in love with humility and maturity says, you know what, I'm going to prefer myself. Uh, I'm prefer, no, I'm going to prefer Danny over myself. I'm going to be able to give and serve uh, with all my heart, man. There's, there's even, I'll say this, man, there's even a tone that embodies pride when people talk, right? A hundred percent. You know, the, 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 which, is, which is damaging, right? I know better than you. I know more than you. You are inferior to me is the tone that comes across with pride even. And so I think, man, at the end of the day, there's a level of, of humility that we all need to be able to walk into. And I think a level of self-awareness to accompany that um, and to be able to read the room and read my heart. And, and so I can be able to be more impactful into the world and, and, and people's lives. Humility is the key. Yeah, man, that is the key. And I can't wait to get in in a couple of weeks. Uh, Mike, you're going to be back on and we're going to talk on humility specifically. Yeah. Um, and I, I can't wait to get that. Um, this has been good. It's been rich. I hope folks, listen, I will encourage you this. If you're in a, a system right now that there's a narcissist that's leading, you know, I'm going to encourage you to run away. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, man. Um, you don't have time for it. We don't have time for it, man. You know, find yourself a group of people where the number one aim it's just to go after his presence and want to be like Jesus because we got to express Jesus on the earth, man. And so, you know, can I, go can ahead. I say something to that, Danny? Yeah, you add to that. Absolutely. That powerful. You said something powerful to run from narcissism. Absolutely. But as you point the finger, make sure that you're not operating in narcissism yourself. Right? Because narcissists attract narcissists. You're there for a reason, right? So as I begin <laughs> to evaluate and say, <laughs> Let me be quiet. So, so, so oh, it's, it's easy to put the pulpit, right? And Help we love us, our Lord. leaders. We, we pray for our leaders, right? But at the same time, it's like, what's, what's, what has made me magnetic to that, that situation? Maybe there's narcissism in me. As I begin to become aware of what, how they are operating, maybe it's, there's something in me that needs to die. So I wanted, I wanted to add that caveat. You're a thousand percent correct. I, me reading Dr. Chuck's on, book, book when I read it, Mike, the only thing that came out of that book when I read it was like, I'm a narcissist. <laughs> like after reading that book, you're like, man, you, you literally, if you can't read that book without putting your face to the floor and say, God, every narcissistic tendency inside do. of me, take it do. out of me. Like rip it out. Like literally, the, after finishing that book, the last chapter, the first thing I did was going to my prayer closet because it's like, whoa, you know what I mean? I got this thing in me. Take it out of me. And, and Danny, and Danny a continual, let me say this, a continual state of victimization is an essence of narcissism. I'll, I'll hang up. I'll hang up on that. Then yeah. it, 
soak that let that soak in a continual state of victimization is pride yeah i'm always the victim i'm always the one being hurt i'm always the one it's never to your point earlier it's never me right it's a state of narcissism. Well, and again, we're supposed to be done, but I want to. I want to with that <laughs> statement. With that statement, we got to hit this for a second. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna text my therapist till I'm, I'm running late. Uh, listen, let's just say this. With even with that statement, that's how we, we. That's how even we study scripture, which is weird for me. Like we study scripture with that mindset. Like, oh, I want to either be the hero. I want to be the one that that's always in the good. Right. Yeah. We never look at it like 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 even David. We talked about David today. Right. We always want to be David. The man after God's own heart. We don't want to be David that controls someone's death. That raped a woman. Right. We don't want to be that David. We want to be the David like we want to be that. And to your point, man, like when you always when I've told this literally so this to somebody yesterday, like if it's always about somebody else. And you always living in a place that everyone's wrong in you. There may be something wrong with you, bro. <laughs> right? Because you, you can't be wrong by every human that you meet, right? Wow. There's got you got to be able to unfold that. Like it's, I, I'll say it this way: like uh, um, if you lose your job every every once a year, and you've had eighteen jobs. Maybe it's not about the jobs you worked in. Maybe it's about mm. something about you. Maybe you have to then point the finger inside of you and say, Holy Spirit, what's going on inside of me that I get fired out of every job, right? It can't <laughs> always be somebody else's issue. You, we, we have to be able to press into that and say, Holy Spirit, what are you teaching me about this? Because maybe this is about me. So if I, if I, if I hop from That's church right. to church, if That's I hop right. from leadership to leadership, and I'm always, and again, uh, uh, help me, Jesus. I'm calling out some of the Jezebels. It, and Jezebel is not a woman. It's a spirit, right? Come on. If, come if on. you're going for church to church and you can never been under leadership because, you know, man, every church there's an issue. Maybe maybe there is issues in there, but maybe you should look at yourself and say, what what am I putting out? What am I what 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 what, what aroma am I putting out? Are, are people feeling the aroma of Jesus when they're around me or are they feeling the aroma of man? this guy wants to be it? Under no, he wants to be the one in, uh, on the front of the platform, right? Or this girl, whoever, whatever it is, you have to be able to, if it's happened more than five times, you should be asking yourself the question, maybe it's not them, maybe it's me. There's no question. I, 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 I totally agree with you. Again, pride is never satisfied, which produces the hop. Yeah. Right? The, the constant change, right? Because it's never satisfied. 100%. I know you gotta get going, brother. Man, massage, this is good, man. man. This 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 is good. Love you, man. Love you, man. Love you. Uh, and love those who are listening. Uh, we can't wait to hit it next week. Uh, we're gonna continue about the evil ways of pride next week, and then uh, Mike will be back on on humility. We will have about eight weeks of humility, uh, which is what we all desire. Uh, but shalom, Maranatha. We'll talk to everybody next week. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Wave Ministries. Visit thewavecolumbus.com for more information.